These are all names for one place, the world's most elevated land, a plateau the size of Western Europe and the birthplace of Asia's many great rivers. Here, culture and tradition are deeply entwined with Mother Nature. But now, they face a problem. The judgment of natural scientists is that the Yangtze source and nearby regions are very sensitive to climate change. Here, it comes sooner than in other areas, and it's more sensitive. The thing that has just in the concern me is places like Nanunami. So at this site, above 20,000 feet, at the source of these big rivers, there has been no net accumulation of snow since at least 1950. That means these glaciers are not just retreating at the margins. They are losing mass from the surface down at the highest point on the glacier. Whether we're talking about uh, the Himalayas or the Andes or uh, the ice fields of Africa, uh, it's all the same story. The isotopes are saying the temperatures are warming, the glaciers are retreating in all these places. In more than 30 years studying glaciers, Thompson has gone on 54 expeditions to 15 countries. Qualcaya in Peru has lost 25% of its ice in 30 years. Although Peru was once 80% powered by hydroelectricity, it now has had to build coal-fired plants to make up for the shortfall during the dry season, when hydro turbines often run at only 20% of capacity. And you can think of a glacier as a water bank account that has been built up for over thousands of years. And in the 20th century, in the beginning of the 21st century, we are taking more out of that bank account than is being put in. And we know long term, pretty soon it's gone. Chinese scientists estimate that China's glaciers are melting away a whole Yellow River's worth of water every year. With the current trend, China will have lost two-thirds of its glacial ice cover by the end of this century. This estimate, however, does not factor in the complication of accelerating warming, which is commonplace in glacial territories. A lot of snow and ice caps have melted, but many only see a topic for academic discussion. The problem actually very much affects people's livelihoods here. For example, nomads used to start milking yaks and making butter in May. Now production is delayed until July which means the nomads have two fewer months of income. We did home interviews with 200 nomadic families, and we found what nomads say exactly matches what scientists have found. 
The locals just have a different way of saying it. We now have ice core records going back 800,000 years. Those records provide us a history of greenhouse gases, uh, CO2, methane, nitrous oxide. There is no analog to where we are now in an 800,000 year history that we have in the bubbles of the gases in these ice cores. The nomads have names for each of the sequential weather patterns in Tibet. The pre-rainy season snowfalls, or the early summer showers. They plan out herding according to sequential monsoon patterns. They don't look at a calendar. They look at the sun, the moon, stars, and plants on the ground to make decisions about their lives and ranching. What grass to eat in the winter? Where to graze in the summer? Their seasonal knowledge is very rich. But things have been chaotic in recent years. The traditional common sense doesn't work anymore. In the early 1990s, Tashi Duoje joined his mentor, Jiesang Suonandajie, on a mission to protect Tibetan antelopes in Keke Xili, a 20 million acre wilderness in western Yushu prefecture. He left environmental work for politics, rising quickly to the post of spokesman for the county of Zhiduo, but he couldn't leave behind his deep passion for the grassland and its people. In the late 1990s, Tashi Duoji left politics to once again begin traveling around the plateau, educating villagers and their children on ecological issues with his photos, slideshows, and films. Tashi Duoje is concerned about the well-being of nomads and their herds and the preservation of the way of life that he believes is an integral part of the plateau's pastoral ecosystem. Now there are fewer and fewer yaks and sheep, and some families don't keep any herds at all. The government policy seems to imply the fewer the better, or even having no herds is better. Coupled with the push of urbanization, nomads are more likely to give it up themselves. Mm-hmm. 
Glaciers aren't the only things melting in Tibet. Permafrost, the layer of frozen earth that holds water near the surface of the soil, provides moisture to the meadows and other vegetation above ground. The sinking and thinning of permafrost has drained the water supply and, along with warmer temperatures and intensifying evaporation, turned pastures into sand dunes or desertified slopes. Lakes and rivers have shrunk, endangering fish, gazelle, and other local species. Also damaged are houses and roads that sit atop of the permafrost. The most important problem is to communicate the changes and ecological issues with scientists using data and maps, which sometimes we don't understand at all. We can tell one story after another to scientists all day long, but we are forced to learn a language they can understand. Sometimes when we talk about climate change, we talk more about temperature. You know, three degrees warmer, that will be tough, and, and there will be extreme heat waves and things like that. But if you don't have water, it's the essence of life. People have to migrate, and there's unrest that comes with that. This is a global problem. Many of the mountain glaciers of the world will disappear. If we were to lose 8% of the ice that is now on land, we're looking at 5 to 6 meters of sea level rise. For many years, Tibet has elicited enormous interest, uh, particularly in the West, uh, because of its remoteness, majesty of its mountains, its religion, and more recently, of course, its political situation. But perhaps the most compelling aspect of Tibet, as we've come to realize, is its environmental significance. So we hope that you will stay with us and enjoy the historic interactive images of glaciers on the Tibetan Plateau which will show you in the most graphic way how things have changed. We also hope that you will stay tuned for our initiative on U.S.-China cooperation on climate and energy and the roadmap that we have drafted to bring the U.S. and China together to confront this enormous challenge that everyone on the world today uh, is going to have to come to terms with.